This is the Epic New Podcast. Two idiots and a list. Where you're going to get two idiots and a list. And now, coming to you live from Circle Avenue Studios, your hosts, Nick Vasello and Kirik McMillan. Hello, 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 and welcome to yet another episode. Thanks for coming back to us. We're glad you're here. And if this is your first one, we're glad to have you. I am here, as always, with my partner, Nick Vasello. Hello again, everybody. Pleasure to be back with you guys today. And uh, thank you all for tuning in. And we picked up a decent handful of really great reviews from listeners in the past month. And that really gets us stoked. And we see the number of listens on our episodes, but one minute counts as a listen. So <laughs> that's basically the... <laughs> it's the gig economy. <laughs> yeah, right. That's <laughs> basically the late night bullfight intro and our announcer butts. So we don't really know how much that number is worth. When we read your reviews, we know folks are actually listening to the show. So we appreciate it. Thank you. Coming up, we're smashing some pumpkins today. Should we tell... <laughs> Should we tell the story from high school about oh, Jesus. stealing let's, pumpkins? Let's just leave that to the end. The fucking authorities are already on my ass. <laughs> Driving at high speed in reverse down winding roads while... It, it was magical <laughs> the way that you controlled a 78 Crown Vic down icy streets backwards. A, at, a psycho chasing us with a bat. Sincerely had to be like 45 miles an hour. <laughs> oh, man. Yep. Coming up. <laughs> It's the Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah, man, I was really kind of trepidatious about this band, and I don't know why, because, you know, they've always, I've always liked them, always. As I listened to them, I I didn't feel trepidation per se, but as I listened to them, I got a throwback to when we did the Alice in Chains episode. Right. There's something about the music that it's really good, it's really talented, it's really, I mean, it, it represented a big part of my college life. At the same time, I could I had to listen to it and then you know kind of take a break. Not so much because the subject matter was so heavy, yeah, but just that the music is of a of a very specific vein. Well, really specific, yeah, like and really thick, and, and that's not that's not a pejorative uh, way. No, this guy is a fucking alien, dropped straight from out of space. Oh and yeah, he is a he is a Prince type of person. Yeah, he's just like how Prince took jazz and Motown and blues and rock and roll and smashed it through his filter and created some crazy good music. Corgan did the same with metal, techno, uh, industrial. And grunge, and he fucking transcended grunge music. Absolutely. Just transcended it. These guys were influenced by Black Sabbath, Pantera, The Cure, mm-hmm. Depeche Mode, yeah. Susie and the Banshees. These are all bands that, that Corgan has cited as influences. And if you listen to their music, it is an amalgam of all those bands kind of wrapped up into one. It's really unique. It's such a weird thing because, like, there's nobody that, like, I know those are his influences. There's nobody that sounds like them. And no. there's before or since. As I listened for this week, there was a, a band that, current band that I heard 
in this music, and that's the Silver Sun pickups, which okay. if you're anyone out there is looking for a modern version of the Pumpkins, these guys sound pretty close. But you're right, they, they are super, super unique. Yeah. And there's not a lot of bands that, that were able to take that sort of baton and run with it after them. No. And the other, no. cool, the other cool thing about these guys is grunge was obviously churning out of the Pacific Northwest. Yep. Gish was released in early 91. After that, now you ran through the the album list in our Pearl Jam episode of all the stuff that came out in 91, so I'm not going to go through all of that. 91 was an incredible year for music. Of May of 91, Gish was released. Uh, After that, Nevermind by Nirvana dropped in September. Blood Sugar Sex Magic dropped in September. The Chili Peppers. Pearl Jam's 10 was in August. Soundgarden's Bad Motor Finger was in October. All of those were post-Gish. So you can't say that these guys were copying that mainstream grunge movement. Prior to these guys, really only had the Pixies. Uh, They dropped their three big albums in 88, 89, and 90. You could argue some influence there. Jane's Addiction, Ritual, Delo, Habitual came out in 90. Mother's Milk by the Chili Peppers was out in 89. So there were some precursors here. But this is really a unique band. Really unique sound. Yeah, they're awesome uh, um, because of that. And, and and they didn't really hit that gr- grunge vein, right? Grunge wasn't a thing when they dropped Gish. And they're a small, you know, band out of Chicago and, you know, locally touring around here. And then, then the, the grunge thing happens and it takes off because, you know, Kurt Cobain is such a, a gnarly type of character. And then you had singles next year, which was the movie that came out. And that was really where, that's kind of where I found him and where a lot of people found him was he decided the song that he put on uh, singles was going to go on Cherub Rock, the, the, the next album in 93. But he's like, you know what? I'll put it on the single soundtrack because they asked for one. And then when you're listening to Chains and, you know, all of those uh, single soundtrack uh, songs. Sure, Screaming th- Trees. There's there's Smashing Pumpkins there with one of the best songs on the fucking album. And you're like, who the fuck are these guys? Holy shit. Like, and the, I had to go backwards for them. But, uh, yeah, I'm glad that I did because, yeah, like you said, they're they're part of the whole soundscape of the 90s. And they weren't they weren't grunge. They got kind of categorized as that, but I agree that they, they were their own sound. Yeah. Gorgon is a Chicago guy, as is Eha. In fact, they all are. All four of them were Chicago uh, raised. Uh, Gorgon actually grew up in Glendale Heights. Not too far from here. About five miles from where we're recording right now. And James Eha was from Elk Grove Village, which is also about five miles from where mm-hmm. we are. Yeah. Gorgon, big Cubs fan. Good to hear. <laughs> <laughs> also a huge pro wrestling guy. Did you see this? Yes, I did. <laughs> I, it shocked me. Right? It shocked me. It made no sense to He's me. He's got ownership in, in uh, uh, an ancillary uh, pro wrestling league. Yeah. He founded an organization. He mm-hmm. was the president of a Canadian organization, and then he bought a third company. Yeah. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't either. A Gish hit 195 on Billboard's Top 200, but it hit number one on the College Music Journal chart, which essentially tracks college radio stations. Uh, And that's likely why this album is big. That album was big for me. I I loved Gish. I thought Gish was fantastic. I didn't listen to Gish until I listened to Cherub Rock, and I went backwards. And and kind of unlike my experience with listening to Nevermind and then going backwards and listening to Bleach – 
I was like, oh, oh, wow. These guys have always been really solidly put yeah. together. And, you know, that that album was put together by Butch Vig. Mm-hmm. And it was produced by the same guy that produced Nirvana. That guy's a monster, too. Yeah. He produced this uh, for $20,000. This was his first big hit. Twenty thousand wow. dollars is what the, what it cost to make. That's Gish. quite a year. He backed up. He went Gish, and then never mind. That's yeah. quite a year for oh, him. Oh yeah, and he's that's why they have him at number nine on the all time rock record producers. Yeah, if you look at what he's done, it's oh, yeah. it's it's amazing. The album Gish was named after the silent film star Lillian Gish. Corgan's grandmother lived in some rural town on a rail line, and apparently Lillian Gish came through her town on a train and it was a big deal. So he named the album Gish. Mm. Uh, I have a funny Gish story in college. I lived with two guys, Eric and Ben, you uh, you've met Ben. I don't think, you know, Eric, we all worked at a Miller brewing distributor. Perfect job for a teen, for a kid who going through college. <laughs> right. <laughs> on a Friday night, Ben and I decided we were going out and Eric, who was dead broke as, as the other two were, uh, decided he was going to work that Friday night. So he works kind of a long Friday night. And because we were working for a beer distributor, we got the ad- ability to buy one case of beer a week at cost. Righteous bucks. <laughs> so Eric finishes up his Friday night shift and he decides to invest in a case of Red Dog. Oh, that's so awful. <laughs> I, I can't imagine they still make it anymore. I think I'll bet they do. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing better than going to a college town and going into the liquor stores there, because it just all comes back. Case of the, they fucking sell Keystone. Keystone Light? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Bottled beer taste in a can? That was the Natty Ice before it was Natty Ice, right? <laughs> so he buys this case of Red Dog, and he brings it home, and he's beat. So he throws it in the fridge, and he goes to bed. Mistake number one. Yeah, let me guess what happens. <laughs> <laughs> so Ben and I come rolling in at God knows when. Going to the fridge, hunting around for something to eat, and lo and behold, there's a full case of beer in there. So Ben and I happily grab the case of beer and proceed to polish it off until, well, the sun comes up. Mm -hmm. So we decide, all right, we better throw it in. The sun's up. Instead of going into our beds, we get into bed with Eric because we're drunk, (laughs) and Eric's got a water bed. Oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) This is like a hurricane of bad choices. So he wakes up. He's kind of irritated because it's seven in the morning or whatever. Ben and I go stumbling off to our rooms and Eric goes downstairs and you hear him cork off because, of course, we didn't pick anything up. And there's 24 empty bottles of beer (laughs) strewn about the living area of the apartment. We start laughing, you know, crash. At some point later in the day, we wake up. We're like, ah, crap, we better buy Eric another case of beer. So we do. We go out. We buy him a case of beer. We throw in the fridge. That night we go out. I don't I don't remember exactly why we got separated, but at some point Eric went home and Eric went to bed. Eric's not much for the parties. Maybe you should have got Eric a case of water or something. Some mineral water. So Ben Ben and I come home, open the fridge. Sure as shit, what's in the fridge but a case of beer? Did the exact same thing two nights in a row. Got into bed with him again the next morning. And we listened to Gish both nights. So Gish kind of tickles a tickles a memory on that that we were listening to the pumpkins. At what point did you fill the waterbed up with the red dog? Because that's probably better served for that. Uh crap. Yeah. Eric and I aren't terribly close anymore. <laughs> not sure. Not sure why. I hope that's not it. <laughs> 
All right. Why don't we kick this let's, off? Let's do it. Let's get into this. What do you have for your honorable mention? I got. I've got one honorable mention, but I do want to give a shout out here. You're so right. um, the, the honorable mention that I have is. Uh, the song off of Siamese Dream, it is the first song off the album Cherub Rock. Great fucking song. Great song. Like, that's Butch Vig, his production on this entire, on both this album, but really on Siamese Dream. This is the album that really transcended grunge. And because he really took, like, Butch Vig is a student of, like, Phil Spector and Phil Spector's way of, like, recording Motown songs, but he uses Wall of Sound. Yep. All the instruments double and triple mic'd, and we are just going to push the, the, we're going to blow your speakers out with sound. And he, and Butch Vig is very much into that, and you can hear it on this this tune and the whole fucking album, Siamese Dream. Where it's just like where he comes up with this little this little um, guitar lick, and then all of a sudden it just turns on, and, and like like there's thousands of guitars in your face. Yeah. It's so awesome. Yeah, the snare that opens it is cool. Yeah, it's just really cool. I saw Muse play at a small venue a couple of years ago, and as an interlude, they did this song. That that would be cool to hear them play this song. It's pretty gnarly. This yeah. is my number five. Oh, okay. Good. I love this tune. Yeah. I think it's a great tune. It's great awesome. tune. This is really, it's such a part, it's like a great, like, to, to get fucking going, man. Like, yeah. if, I, if I played sports anymore, like, this shit would be always in my head. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right? They got nominated for a Grammy on this. They didn't yeah. win it, but they got nominated for it. Yeah. To get the effect they achieved on the guitar solo, they took two recordings of the same solo and laid them over each other and then offset it just a little bit. Yeah. And it makes for a really cool effect. It's the difference between a good producer and somebody who just kind of does the engineering. It's right. like they have those small little details that go into a song that are just really make all the difference in the world. That's really cool. Yeah. Can I do my shout out? Sure. Let me do my shout out. Okay, so I'm going through the, the catalog and I see, you know, all the, the familiar albums of, of Smashing Pumpkins. And then I noticed like, oh, they kept on recording. And as we kind of do, we're always like, Eh, okay, well, well, maybe <laughs> we'll kind of take a listen to this. And so in 2020, Smashing Pumpkins released a, an album called Seer. I think it's Seer, C-Y-R. C-Y-R, Did you yeah. listen to any of that? I, I cruised through it. I, frankly, I was surprised. When I saw it, I was like, they put out an album a couple years ago? Right. And and so I was expecting like kind of like, hey, a 50-year-old guy right. doing the 20-year-old guy stuff. And uh, no. It's not bad. It's fucking awesome it's not bad that's why i say he's an alien because he's dropped out and he's still really new really fresh like yeah. that's the great thing about smashing pumpkins 
deep cut on any one of those fucking albums, you will get a song that sounds completely different from anything else they've ever done. Yeah. Like, he recorded something like, Smashing Pumpkins recorded something like 320 songs on their albums. That's a lot of fucking songs, right? right? Every fucking one of them is like, there's no formula for these guys. You know, like, Foreigner has the formula. You know, the the guys that we shit on, they all have this kind of Foreigner, uh, (laughs) this formula. Um, (laughs) But he must see like a song pops in his head and it's different than everything else that he's ever done. And he's like, let's do it. We got to do this. We got to yeah. do this. And, and those songs, like the very first four songs of that, uh, Sierra album, The Color of Your Love, Dulcet and E, Purple Blood, they're all fucking great songs. I was impressed by it. I, I really was. was. Yeah. I, I mean, I was stunned by it. I'm like, oh shit, this guy's different. Yeah. He's different. Yeah. I agree. When I saw that, I thought, oh boy, this is going to be, mm-hmm. you know, he's mailing it in, whatever. Cashing in. Yeah. Not. No. No. It's it's good. It's yeah. good. All right. My honorable mention is off of Gish, and it's the song Rhinoceros. Yeah. One of the things that that came to mind as I was looking at this band was he has this super edge of his sort of metal, hard rock influences. And then he shifts into this moody, like, shoegaze, almost emo kind of thing. Yeah. Rhinoceros is a great transition of those kind of Mm -hmm. two different sounds. That's right, yeah. The bass line that rolls up during this song uh, in the later choruses just really adds a lot and then they kind of pound in on heavier parts and then pull it back it's his vocals aren't overly screamy in this which i like i also like it when he's really raw too so it's that's not a, a slam against his like super screamy vocals his vocals are so unique and at some points i've heard people say like i don't like the sound of his voice get fucking over it that's his voice (laughs) and he attunes it in so many different ways in his songs yeah it's just it's part like it's another instrument well we talked about this so unique we talked about this with rush we talked about this with the cars Mm -hmm. you've got vocalists out there who do not have great vocal qualities right but they fit like a glove yeah and in this case you can't think of somebody else singing these songs. And he does have Darcy, the bass, the original bass yeah. player, sing a couple songs on some of those early albums. Mm-hmm. James Eha, the guitarist, sings a few. And they're okay. It's it's a different vibe, though. Yeah, I just, like, that's a good word for it. I think that his voice fits the vibe of all those songs. I really can't imagine anybody else singing those. <laughs> like a Smashing Covers, a Smashing Pumpkins cover band. No, man. You, got, you can't duplicate his voice. No. Like, you really can't. I mean... No. And we had, in one of my original bands, we would occasionally play covers to give the audience a break. And we covered today, I believe. It just didn't work. Yeah. We could all play the music. Sure. The music wasn't that difficult. It's not complex. The lead singer had a really strong voice. But to get that vibe is just really hard yeah. to do. Yeah. It's really hard to do. We played it once and we were like, let's not play this again. Yeah. It just doesn't work. <laughs> leave that on the shelf. All right, what's your number five? All right, so my number five is the aforementioned Drown off of the singles album. 
Yeah, I love this intro to this song. It's really soft. It's really, like I think that the hard rocking Smashing Pumpkins I'm down for. Like everything about it, but I really think that he excels at the the mood setting, slower kind of I guess you would call it ballady. But he doesn't really have any ballads, but they're just like they're not a lawnmower blade in your face, which I'm down for. I like that. Right. When he's when he takes it down a notch and he's more moody, I'm I really like that stuff. He's he really does it well, and his voice carries the, the load for a lot right. of that. It was a great tune. Yeah. Uh, recorded at Lenny Kravitz's studio. Oh, okay. Uh, not part of a studio album. It's only on their greatest hits. That's right. Yeah. Well, yeah, he was going to put it on Siamese Dream, and he's like, well, we'll put it on the singles soundtrack. It might pop somewhere, and it was turned out to be the right move. Yeah, you absolutely. Know, it opened him up to a whole lot of bigger audience. The singles soundtrack was under the Epic Records label. Alice in Chains was under contract with Columbia. Epic Records was a d- division of Columbia. Corgan felt that Epic pushed Drown into the background so that Wood by Alice in Chains on the same soundtrack would get more spotlight. So Corgan kind of carried a chip on his shoulder for a bit. Well, I could definitely see that happen in that part of the business because if I'm remembering that track listing right, I think Wood was the first song on the album on the uh, soundtrack. Maybe. And yeah. I remember this song being down to like 12 or 11. And this song was getting more airplay yeah. at the time than Alice in Chains' Wood was. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, apparently Corgan wasn't too happy about that. I, so I watched when they played Lollapalooza in 2019. Uh-huh. This song in particular, it just looks like he's having so much fun playing this song. Like he's just—he looks like he's just having so much joy with it. Yeah. And, and it's—it's not really like an up song, but like he's just smiling all the time. He's kind of looking at the crowd, and like he's kind of like in the places where those those weird pitches in his guitar come up. He's like he's banging his guitar and kind of like making play with the with the. It, it just looked like he was having a blast up there. And as a forty-eight-year-old guy playing a thirty-year-old song, you would kind of be like, you know, you're going through the motions. And it's like, no, he's up there playing with his children. Right. You know, it's like this is all stuff that I I just. It's just a joy for him. It's yeah. really cool to see. All right, you took my number five, which right. was Cherub Rock. So, what's your number four? So, in the same kind of vein, but off of the album Gish, I chose Crush. surprised to know might be heartened to know that this bass line is such a cool groove <laughs> it's just so not taking it it's just taking its time i love this tune right and just it's a scale like you would know it's a scale from, scale up that's it the whole, the whole song is predicated on that bass line right she just takes her time with it yeah that guitar when he comes in it's weird that the effect on it is weird that guitar actually the the gish guitar you know about the guitar no no so when they're on tour with gish and they're playing in st andrews uh st andrews ballroom or theater whatever in detroit 
This is 91, right after they must have come, come through DeKalb, and then they, they did a local gig in Detroit, and his roadie, who was a friend of his at the time, they weren't big, they hadn't hit it big, and he's like, hey man, somebody just walked out back with your fucking guitar, and, and he lost it forever. That was the guitar, the Fender Strat, that he recorded Gish on. Ugh. People are dicks. Yeah, right? And he's like, you know, that was his baby. He had painted it a certain way. And he's like, I lost, like, somebody stole my friend that day and I never got it back. He's like, but I always knew the universe would return it to me. 27 years later, somebody calls him up and it's like, hey, I've got your guitar. And he's like, all right, I've heard this one before. Right. Bring it to me. And as soon as he popped the case, it's cool. They got, they got, it's on YouTube. They got camera footage of it. It's like, they popped it open. And he's like, that's fucking it. Wow. And he picked it up and he's like, he's like, it's like being reunited with like a friend. Oh, yeah. It's like that fucking guitar. And he played it and it's like, well, that's a tone of a guitar that's like singular, right? right? And he's like, and that's what he said. He's like, this guitar tone is, is the reason why I'm here. Yeah. He's like, because the, the tone of what we're doing, like that sound set the template for all of Smashing Pumpkins and some fucking bastard stole it. It's really cool though, but yeah. that that guitar you can see and, and hear it in Gish. It's like uh, in uh, the song "Crush." It's really awesome. I love that tune. Yeah, it's a cool tune. All right, my number four. I'm going to their 1998 album "Adore," and the song is "Ava Adore." Yeah, great tune. This is a really cool funk beat for the Pumpkins. Just a very, as you were saying before, Tech switches song. things up. It's not all the same vein. He goes from, you know, emo, shoegaze to metal. And that whole album has a different vibe to it. It's 180 degrees from Gish. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for some sure. Some songs are softer, some are funky, some are techno. And replace techno, that's my word. It's really not techno. It's like industrial. It's nine inch nail. That's more like That's probably a better description. Mm-hmm. The effects on the guitars and the drums make it different. Gish was, you know, for the most part, that was a pretty raw recording. On this one, they switched it up. They put some filters on the drums. Really cool filters on the drums on this this track particularly. Yes. It's very, like we said, it's it's very industrial. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. Corgan's wine is still there. The minor key progressions are still in it. So it still feels pumpkins-y, but it's not, you know, the same vein as as everything else. Yeah, I had this song swimming around too. It's a really cool song. I liked it. They donated all the proceeds from the tour of this album yeah. to charity. $3 million. $3 million. That's fucking awesome. Right? Isn't that right? something? He's a really cool spirit. I think like, so, too. Like, I've, I've listened to a couple of interviews with him either recently, uh, promoting this new Sir album, and then throughout um, his career. And he's a, he's a really cool, gentle kind of guy. Seems so. But his reputation, especially going through the 90s, was like, he's a fucking prick. Yeah. And he explains that in this most recent interview. He's like, there is William Patrick Corgan. And if you know me, you know me that as I'm a sweet, benevolent soul. And then there's Billy. And Billy's the rock star. Yeah. And Billy doesn't like the media. And he'll fuck around with the media and he'll be a dick to you too. Because you know what? The media is dicks to musicians a lot. Yeah. And I'm, I'm like, bravo. 
I love it. Right. I love that. Right, you know? right, right. And he doesn't, he is not obligated to tell anybody that. No. Like that, that I'm William and Billy's up on stage. But it certainly makes sense. And I'm probably positive that most entertainers have to do something like that. I would think so. Because he said, he's like, it's not natural to be famous. It is not a natural thing. Right. And if you don't control it somehow, you'll go fucking crazy. Oh, I can imagine. You know? Well, and, and some of his image was tarnished by the relationship with Darcy, the bass player, yeah. because they had a falling out, mm-hmm. and it sounded like she might have been getting involved with some drug issues or other things. Oh, they had to fire the drummer, James. That's an interesting story. They had a keyboardist yeah. who was the brother or nephew or cousin or somebody of Wendy and Lisa. Yeah, the brother of the Prince twins. Of the Prince twins. Yeah. That guy overdosed and I think his name was Chamberlain, the drummer. Yes. Chamberlain was arrested for possession of heroin. He was with him at the time and the Pumpkins ended up firing him. They brought him back on, I think about three or four years later after he had gone through rehab and Mm -hmm. it seemed like he kind of cleaned up. So... That seemed to have a, a happier ending. I don't think things have ended well between Darcy and the rest of the band. She did not make the remaking of the bands in the later 2000s, 2018. Right, like, right. The, she's not around. Yeah. And there's a discrepancy about it, but you know what? That's band politics. Right, we don't right. have to get into that. All right. What's your number three? Number three, okay, off of Siamese Dream is Mayonnaise. <laughs> I was that close to putting this on my list. Yeah, I, I love this fucking tune. The feedback is great on this on the, the guitar feedback. Uh, it's in certain places during the car uh, and during the song. Uh, reading about the production of the song, he's like, the feedback is there because the guitar I was using was shit. It was a terrible guitar. It had it's all these imperfections, and he's like, I'll just leave it in there because I mean, that's artist imperfect. Like that's that's the whole band's philosophy. If you listen to their songs, it's like. He doesn't care if there's a squink or a clunk in his fucking songs. Right. It's like, that's part of what happens. It's, that was the process of doing it. Let's do it. Let's let's just roll with it. And he's like, that's what I said. Like, he's not a, he is a perfectionist when it comes to the sounds that are coming, you know, from his head and he's trying to transmit it out. But once they're getting out there in the ether, it's like, he's not really micromanaging like all of the little shit. He's not right. sitting there behind the battleship console. It's like, hold oh, on, we have to get rid of that. And we have to pro tools, everything. He doesn't like, and you can tell too. Right. And I, I normally don't go for long plotting intros. Like this intro without any type of movement is like a, a minute, 20 seconds. Normally I don't. The payoff at 52 seconds though, when like there's just an explosion of guitar. I mean, it's like, okay, I'm here for it. All of it. It's, it's fantastic. It's so great. Great blend of heavy and moody in yeah. this song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really like that song. Yeah, me too. All right. My number three is off of Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. And the song is Zero. Zero. 
Wanna go for a ride? Wanna go for a ride? Oh, so, <laughs> so good. So great. So good. <laughs> my reflection dirty mirror is no connection to myself. Yeah, he's got wild lyrics. He's got man. really crazy lyrics. I can't figure out half the shit he's saying or why. Right. You know what? Right. There's no like narrative that you can like it's just but he's got some really out there lyrics and i like them yeah no i'm with you it's it's really crunchy drive into the space before he you know sings want to go for a ride the breakdown of emptiness is loneliness and god is empty just like me oh man it's just so powerful it's really really good stuff there's a uh a great bass and guitar line that runs under the guitar solo. It's a really dissonant solo. I don't particularly care for it. It's not like a great solo, but I really like what the bass and the guitar are doing underneath it. Just juxtapose, juxtaposed. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck is wrong with you. You know, it's the th- I'm, I'm off today. It's the third time this fucking year that I bought cottage cheese with pineapple. I opened up the fridge and I was going to get myself some cottage cheese and it says fucking pineapple. And I'm like, motherfucker, that's three times now that I, it's like three times in a row too because the fucking labels are the same and there's just a little yellow pineapple. It's, come on. I don't know if I've ever seen cottage cheese with pineapple in it. Right? You're not looking for that? <laughs> no. And my dumbass, every time I go in there looking for cottage cheese, like, hey, dumbass, remember there's one with pineapple in it too? Nobody fucking knows that. <laughs> How old are those? <laughs> <laughs> I threw it right out. I was so pissed. Three fucking times in a row. I was so pissed. You can tell we're turning 50 this year. (laughs) Oh, shit. Where was I? (laughs) We were on zero. Zero. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) You can take all that that out. I had to vent that. (laughs) That was my number three. Fuck it. I may just leave it in there. (laughs) All right. That brings us to our fantasy concert lineup. Yes. I'm ready for this. I love the fantasy concert lineup. It's fun, isn't it? (laughs) This is fun. Who are you gonna we, see? We're going to have a festival of all of our <laughs> fantasy lineups. Who are you going to see the pumpkins with? All right. Are you ready for this? I am ready. We're all going to, we're going to go in the same year. So check this out. So in 1995, when uh, Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness comes out, we've got Alanis Morissette. Ooh. Her, her, now this is not my lineup, not but I'm just telling like, okay. these are the albums that came out Jagged Little Pill. Mm-hmm. Um, you have Oasis, What's the Story, Morning Glory. Radiohead, The Benz. Love it. They're, Great album. They're fucking best. Great album. Um, the Foo's new album, they're Foo Fighters. Right. One of my personal favorites, Astro Creep 2000, Rob Zombie's album. <laughs> Did you ever see it? Yeah, no. Ever hear it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Great tunes. <laughs> And the debut, first time pressing, The Big Red Car by The Wiggles. Oh, my God. Yeah. 
deep cut on that one, buddy. Go ahead. Wow. You play a couple of those songs. Fruit no, salad. I'm not doing that to our audience. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Greg. Poor Greg. Had the stand up and fall down disease. Oh, boy. All right, um, so I want to take you on a ride. We're going to go Faith No More playing Angel Dust, that album. Great album. great in concert have you seen them i've no it's just on youtube i'd love to see they fucking get dressed up like last time i saw them they're all dressed up in like polynesian wear like and he comes out as a cruise director he's fucking (laughs) crazy mike Patton is certifiable but he's great uh so faith no more do an angel dust and then of course the pumpkins and then i do want to bring out oasis That's a good lineup. Oh yeah, yeah. I'd love to see Oasis. Mm-hmm. I don't think <laughs> I don't think they want to see each other. No, no, they don't. I don't know if they patch each other. I don't have who knows. Noel Gallagher's Brothers. "High Flying Birds" is not a bad solo album. That's what I understand. Not a bad solo project. Yeah. No, I like that. That's a good lineup. Both uh, both bands. I would I would like to see. I want to see Hole. Oh, make me over. I think Courtney Love's vocal grind matches Corgan's pretty well. Yeah. Uh, he dated her. Yeah, they were attached for a while. Yeah, before she met Cobain. And he contributed to her recording of Celebrity Skin. Yeah, Malibu. This is one of my favorite songs. Great Malibu. song. She's That's great. That's a, I, I, like her, I like her music a lot. Yeah. I don't know if I like her a lot, but I like her music a lot. It seems to have a rough go. Yeah, I don't think it's been an easy life. Mm. And then, I want to hear Garbage. Butch Vig's band? Yeah, that's right. It was. I see, I've seen Garbage before. They opened up for you, too. 
I think they'd be great live. Yeah, I they think were. she's got a killer voice. Yeah. I like the way they write their music. Is that Sherilyn Manson? I think so. I think that, so. That rings a bell. Yeah, it sounds right. That rings a bell. I think their rhythms and their edginess aren't too far from no, you know the Pumpkins kind of vibe. And I think it'd be cool to hear both those both those bands with uh, with the Pumpkins. Yeah. Have you have you seen the Pumpkins? No, I haven't. They're really good. I didn't see them in their heyday. I saw them in 2018. Let me tell you something. I watched the 2019 Lala. It's not like they stopped having a heyday. I didn't. I wasn't sitting there going, "Wow, this is a band that 20 years ago was incredible, and now yeah, they're just you know been over here to bend me over right. for my no, 50 no, no. bucks." They were phenomenal. They were phenomenal. Like they were yeah. really, really. Well, you good. saw them in a smaller. Was it in Kansas City or you were in I Missouri? Saw, I was on a business trip in Kansas City. I caught them at I think it was called the Sprint Center or the Sprint Arena. So it was sort of like maybe a 15, 15 to twenty thousand person complex. Yeah, it's like a United Center. Yeah, something similar to where the Bulls play. Mm-hmm. But they were really good. I would see them. I would not like if not having done this podcast. I would be like, eh, I'm good. But I would definitely go see them. Yeah. After going through this catalog and just kind of having a different appreciation for them. Because I listen to the Smashing Pumpkins here and now, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that was great. Those are great songs. But going through the deep stuff and just kind of figuring out, like, that that new album, sir, I just can't get out of my mind. It's like, I haven't come across an album in years, maybe like the last Muse album, where, like, I would listen to every song and like, holy shit, this is really good. Yeah. And I was I was really impressed with that. So, I was yeah, too. I would definitely yeah. go see him again. I was, too. Or go see them. All right. What's your number two? All right. Number two is off of <laughs> Siamese Dream again. You would think I would know what the fucking album is. It is Disarm. Anytime you can put tubular bells, timpanis, and cellos into a rock song, great. I'm, I'm here for it. Those heavy chimes are just perfect. Great. And, you know, his voice, again, is not overpowering the song until it needs to get overpowered. And when he just, when he torques it up at the very end, I love that refrain, the killer in me is the killer in you. Right. I love that refrain. It's just so great. Yeah. This fucking song is banned from play in the UK, I want to say, or it was for Why? a little while because of the killer in me and the killer in you was some sort of, oh, no, no, it was the um, cut this little child line. Ah, um, so that's odd. I wouldn't yeah. think the uh, the Brits were quite that stodgy about stuff like that. Go figure. <laughs> Unless he was singing about the Queen. <laughs> uh, uh, but I love that tune, man. Really yeah, great tune. Great tune. Uh, the killer in me and the, is the killer in you. That end refrain when he's singing it, it's slightly overlapped with "Send this smile over to yeah. you," and it's him singing it and they simply you know multi-tracked it and slid one of the vocal lines just a little under the one before it i 
I thought that was a really cool production addition. Yeah, that's Butch Vig, man. Yeah, he's he's he really did a great job with both of those albums, Gish and Siamese Dream. It's it's really a great tune. Yeah. Yep. And again, real simple. Like that that is real simple. The guitars on it are fairly simple, but it's just um, the lyrics are really good. That one you can actually kind of understand. Like he's right. forlorn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, some of them you do have to scratch your head a bit. All right, my number two is off of Gish, and it's Siva. Actually, it's probably pronounced Siva. I think it's Siva, yeah. That's heavy metal right there. Tell me, tell me what you're after. I just want to get there faster. Power song. It sounds a lot to me like Soundgarden. Yeah. I listen to this. I just heard a lot of that similar style. Obviously not a copy. Bad Motorfinger isn't released until five months later. Multiple shifts from these heavy driving rhythms to kind of lighter, gentler sections. Back to, you know, a super heavy kind of, you know, run in. The light stuff doesn't sound like their shoegaze kind of sound, but it's just a sort of a trippy, almost more psychedelic. Acid rock. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A lot of that. Yeah. A lot of that on that album, right? This is like a heavy metal, then slides into, you know, the acid rocky, and then like, as you call it, the shoegazing, which is actually a, a, (laughs) it is a genre of music, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they do it, they do it mid-song, and then it pops into a super heavy guitar solo. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I'm a I'm a big fan of that song. I love that song. Love that album. All right, where are you sitting at in number one? So our number one, my number one, is off of the melancholy and infinite sadness, and uh, it is the song tonight tonight. Just an incredible piece of music production. The whole thing. It is 9,000 things happening in a song at once. It fucks around with tempo. It fucks around with texture. His voice fluctuates through the whole thing. It's a fucking fantastic video. It it's you know it plays with the themes of old silent movies, which going back to um, Lillian Gish, right? Yeah, right. It's just a great song. I just love it. It's yeah. just like and and that when he wells up for the chorus of tonight, it's like a waterfall um, when he's just singing the chorus of tonight. It's really cool. Yeah, it's a really cool song. The strings in this song are a really neat addition. Yeah, Corgan said the experience of recording with those strings was something that really stuck out to him. Yeah, I, I can see that with a with a, a string quartet, right? <laughs> quartet. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, the rim shots on the snare during the verses are good. It's something you don't really hear very often. Mm-hmm. I thought that fit really well. 
Corgan told Howard Stern that the song pays a little bit of homage to Cheap Trick. That's a quote. Yeah, he was a big fan of theirs. He's like, you couldn't be as cool as Cheap Trick. And I'm like, I stopped the fucking interview and I'm like, did he just say what I thought he said? <laughs> but he grew up in this area, so you know. That's... Cheap Trick's from Rockford. Yeah. Couldn't have been as cool as Cheap Trick. I'm like, all right, oh, okay, easy there, buddy. Okay. I've, I've seen him twice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're fun. Uh, yeah, he said, Cheap Trick, this is a quote, Cheap Trick had a dark, optimistic thing that seemed right, but inside was kind of dark. On surface, it seems hopeful and idealistic, but if you dig into the lyrics, it has some darkness in it. He's a deep cat. Yeah. <laughs> He's a deep cat. He read a hell of a lot more into Cheap Trick lyrics than I did, yeah. I'll tell you that. <laughs> right? <laughs> Your mama's all right, daddy. <laughs> oh, crap. All right, that brings me to my number one. <laughs> I'm going back to Melancholy, and it's Bullet with Butterfly Wings. Fucking awesome song. This, like all of yours are like could have been like they were all swimming around my pile. Mm-hmm. It's like oh, yeah. it's such a cool song. I, I wrestled with this list quite a bit. Yeah. I really did. This song was just a perfect, like, angry energy kind of tune. I, there's just tons of, of angst and pent-up aggression in this song that, that they break out with. Some will say what is lost can never be saved, despite all my rage, I'm still just a rat in a cage. Yeah. Great lyrics. Screaming. Dude. Yeah. (laughs) A lot of pent-up shit there. Yeah. The drums are critical in this song. And it's really not just the drums. It's mostly the bass kick. He's really driving the song with the bass kick. Yeah. Like, it really... Oh, yeah. It just moves that song forward. This was one of their two Grammy wins. The other one was for a song they did for a Batman soundtrack. And they won this for the best hard rock performance. You'll remember this category as the one that Jethro Tull beat Metallica for. That's why the Grammys are full of shit. <laughs> we'll fucking argue with that. Yeah, the uh, this is number one. I'm sorry. This is number nine. Walking through the pocket. That, that beat out Metallica's black. Really? <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. I don't mean to start. I just sometimes I get, I get a rage. <laughs> this is... <laughs> This is number 91 on the list of the best hard rock songs from VH1. I think that feels like a pretty good fit. I'd even move it up a little higher than that, frankly. It's a good tune. It's heavy, man. And and this kind of defines melancholy, right? It goes from this sort of softer song to a super heavy bullet with butterfly, you know, sort of backbone of the song. And then it fades back into a little more of that psychedelic dreamy sort of feel there's 28 tracks on this fucking album and again when you start like you get a double album you get any fucking album you go down to the 12th track you're gonna you expect to find yeah okay not their best work 
I'm, I compel you go any one of his fucking albums pick any track off of anyone and you're like wow this is this is a really good fucking song it's the my complaint about melancholy is it's so disjunct you go from bullet with butterfly wings yeah. listen to the song before it and listen to the song after it and they don't match right like the bullet is totally out of place as is Cherubrock, frankly, around the songs that are surrounding it and some of the others that are on there. So it's yeah. just, it's really, it's a total dichotomy of. Maybe of he songs wanted to you to feel discombobulated. <laughs> it worked. Maybe he's just that kind of cat. That's right. That's right. All right. Well, now we've we've polished his apple. What are you going to tell him you hate? What is your I most don't... hated? I, I never really got 1979. <laughs> I, I really never liked it. And I know that's one of the... I think it's the biggest. It's only number one, right? It is the most played song on Spotify. 350 million listens. That's crazy, right? It's about $4,000. Um, <laughs> but I just never... I, I, I don't know. It's okay. I, I mean, it's it's super mainstream. I, I don't hate it. I just, you know, I'm like, I don't seek it out. And it's not really... I know everybody likes it, but I'm just like, eh. I mean, if I'm going to go out of my way to, to listen to a Smashing Pumpkins song, 1979 will be way down on the list. Oh, I for, agree. You know, I agree. So and I guess that's kind of where I approach it, because I really don't have anything that I hate. There's no nothing that he's put out that I'm like, Bleh. As I was listening to their stuff, I was thinking the same thing. And then I got to We Only Come Out at Night. Of melancholy. I don't think I knew that. I don't know why this song was popular, and I don't think it was radio popular. I think it was popular more around the college group that I was hanging with. Okay. I don't know. But that song, someone would put it on. I'd be like, why, why are you playing this? Out of all the songs you can play right. from the pumpkins, right. yeah, you're right. playing this. Yeah. It's just, oh, it's, it, there's weird drums, and there's like a harpsichord in it. Somebody get me Gish and a fucking 12-pack of dog. <laughs> and a 24-pack of Eric's beer. <laughs> Eric, what are we drinking tonight? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that song just droned. Yeah. So we're, I'm going to flip this. So this doesn't seem like there's too much. you have anything more that you dislike? Nope. Let me tell you something. It didn't make the list. But we're making any other type of list, and we may do this for next year. His fucking Christmas song is fucking awesome. I don't know that I know it. Oh. So excited by the way Christmas time is coming for everyone It's like as soon as you hear the first part, you're like, "Wow, this is a Christmas tune!" And then you hear his voice, you're like, 
why do the fucking Smashing Pumpkins make a Christmas song? And it is a straightaway Christmas song. It's not a Christmas song and I'm a rat in a cage. It's a straightaway Christmas song. It's really good. Merry Christmas and... Yeah. Merry Christmas and I'm a rat in a cage! Take it easy, Bill. No, it's a, put a drop in there. You'll see what I'm talking about. It's really good. It's right. really good. I'll do that. All right, coolest four seconds. So I'm going to start with op- uh, the uh, the bullet with butterfly wings. I wouldn't step on your stuff, but his opening, the world is a vampire, and then that bass. The bass with the drums thumping behind him. It, it might be the coolest fucking four seconds in recorded music. The world is a vampire. The world is a fa- yeah, like, fantastic. So awesome. I guess they started sing- like someone sang that as the band was warming up one time, and they played it. Some every time they would warm up, somebody would you know, Corgan would yell, "The world is a vampire" or something. And they <laughs> yeah, eventually- I don't know what that I mean, <laughs> right. I think no I know what, what it means. It means. <laughs> like the world is a vampire. I think the next line is like set the drain. Like right, coming after you. It's gonna suck the life out of you. I mean, there's there's a lot to be read in there, but I just think it's so fucking cool. It sounds so good. His yeah. voice sounds so uh, menacing when he says that. It's right. so cool. Right. I have the intro to Rhinoceros. There's a guitar note that fades in and it eventually bends up until it hits the key that the song is in. That was kind of a neat way to start a song. Yeah, that's cool. The beginning for today. arpeggio and then he just kicks in this crazy fuzzy super like, chunky yeah just a d chord right in your face i love yeah. it and then he's ah, so good yeah so the, the the production value of these songs sets it apart from a lot of like you know pearl jam made good songs and they produced them they're fine but i mean the, the production value is different like they're doing different layers like pearl jam didn't really do different layers chains didn't really do different layers they had to fight Kurt Cobain to layer guitars on Nevermind. But th- this production value, just, that's what I mean with it. They transcended grunge. They transcended all of that. He was a different type of artist than those garage guys. Right. Not to take anything away from them, obviously. Nope. They're just different artists. And he is, like uh, like I said, he's in the kind of class of prince, I put him. Right. He's a visionary mm-hmm. or an auditory, whatever you call it. <laughs> <laughs> the intro to I Am One off of Gish.
starts with drums only, and then the bass groove starts, and then guitars add a layer, and then they all start grooving, and it's just a great way to kick off that album. That's cool. The chord changes in mayonnaise going from the refrain to the verse. Just changing the bass note going up and down. It's really just really a cool kind of addition to that song. Right. It's, it's awesome. Right. Uh, in Window Pane off of Gish, there's a super Rush esque groove in the middle <laughs> where they play a marching rhythm that builds tempo under the guitar solo. <laughs> Awesome song. I really, really dig that song. If you don't know it, check it out. You weren't kidding, man. You really like Gish. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, there's, I don't think there's a bad song on that album. Perfect album? Oh. I'm not going there. No. no. I, I'd, have to, I'd have to take another look, but it is one that I could play T to B. Mm-hmm. Fruit to fruit. All right. Sisters of Mercy. Yeah, I definitely have added a lot to the playlist, and especially that new fucking album. I'm telling you, that's not a... Not a waste of your time. I, I guess now that I, that I know that he's putting out music that is, you know, it's like a, it's not a 50 guys doing like, hey, let's see if we can redo what we did back in the 20s. It's like a 50s guy's like, here's, I used to be this and now I'm 50 and I can still make music yeah. and this is what it's going to sound like. So all you 50 year old guys out there, this is what I hear. Yeah. I'm like, all right, hey, you know what? I'm going to listen the next time he drops something. Yeah. Because that album is really good. Yeah, he's softened, right? He got older. His, he's got a kid. He owns yes. a tea shop up in, I think, Highland Park. Yeah. It's like a vegan tea shop, which is a North Chicago suburb. As I listened to them, I thought, like we talked about earlier, there was a bit of an Alice in Chains thing where I'm going, wow, this song, this music was great. It was super strong, super powerful. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I'm that angry anymore. Right. I don't know if I need to listen to this anymore. However, I as I was cruising through their catalog, I found their 2000 album, which is called Machina Machines yeah, of the Machine. God. Mm-hmm. And there's a song on there called Stand Inside Your Love. Yeah, it's on my list here. I added that to my playlist. I heard it and I'm like, I, there's something about this song that really works for me. Well, he's got a lot of songs, you know, even through the the heart of the 90s, he's got a lot of songs that have, a, they're really kind of 
I don't want to say they're sweet, but they're, you know, melodic. They're deep. They're not bubblegum, but there's definitely a lot there for them. But it's not. It's not like you know. It's not like Alice in Chains or stuff like that. Right. You can get lost in that music and those lyrics. And and uh, he's a he's a, a a different type of artist. For right. Us. Right. Couple notable covers, as I've liked to do from time to time. You know, most of the bands that cover Smashing Pumpkins, they just sound like Smashing Pumpkins. There's really not much new. However, I did find an awful screamo band called Evergreen Terrace, and they covered zero. That shit just cracks me up. I'm not gonna <laughs> screamo. <laughs> I'm not going to play a long clip because it's really oh God, bad. Please don't. <laughs> and then there's another band called Brass Against. And this is a band that likes to do covers amongst other original stuff. And they use a ton of brass instruments. That's annoying, too. <laughs> Don't think this is a bunch of band nerds. I'm sure they're talented. It's a female lead singer. She got arrested for urinating on a fan on stage. Oh, was that the video that went out? Was it? Did it go viral? Could have. I think I. I think I might have seen. She's seen fucking that. hot. <laughs> She's hot. I'll find it here when we're done. All right. Who's your MVP? Oh, Corgan. Corgan. Uh, yeah, there's no Without question. a doubt. Yeah. There's no two ways about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ehad likes to think that he's you no. know, he's off on his own supergroup projects. Like, buddy, the only reason you're in a supergroup is because you get, you got lucky enough to bump into Billy Corgan at a fucking record, at a record store, store. And you could fucking play guitar. Yeah. Or you could tell, you he, you could be told what to play. And he didn't even play guitar in the first two albums. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, there's no question about it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's Corgan. He's, he's, he's a Prince, Brian Wilson type guy. He's yeah. just a, a singular. A unique genius. soul. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. How do you rank these guys? Skill. So I gave them their talent for their songwriting, them, Corgan, for their songwriting. Not so much their music, but the way that he constructs a song yep. and stitches a song together. Like A song like Tonight Tonight shouldn't work. That fucking song shouldn't work. Right. right? But he does such a, an amazing job producing it and putting it all together. I had to give him all the props for that because that's really what I like about music is, is the production. It's 4.75. That's a and that's a fair rating. You know, if you were going to rate this band on Corgan alone, mm-hmm. you're at a th- four eight in that neighborhood. Oh yeah. yeah. If you're going to rate the band on the combined talents of the band, you're closer to like a three and a half. Well, yeah, and but you know, so somebody I was uh, I was reading as somebody who would know, like not Rolling Stone, but somebody else would said like uh, the uh, the drummer is one of the greatest drummers in the world. As a matter of fact, it was Billy Corgan that said that. In this recent interview, he's like, was one of the greatest drummers of the world, and we decided to put his music up front in this new album. Right. So, okay, if he says so, I'll go with it. And he was good. Chamberlain. Yeah. Chamberlain's a good drummer. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm, I'm putting that in the uh, mid upper fours. Uh, catalog. Tons there, and the fact that um, Sear is so good, I put it at a four two five. I had it at a four two as well. This, not, I mean, we know that as the length of a band goes, there's going to be more and more clunkers. 
I swear to you, I'd look for them. Right. And I might have missed some of them. I didn't find a clunker. I found a, a song that was like, wow, that's that's different. I like it. I like. There's no clunkers. Oh, check like, out that that 2000 album out of the machine that I referenced yeah. earlier. That's a great album too. It's different. It's all different too. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Image. Yeah. Uh, well, you know. <laughs> yeah. I think I like Corgan with the hair. Then he shaved it for I want to say Adore, and he never went back to it. Doesn't matter. It's a it's a superficial thing. But I mean, really, as a band, as a coolness factor, I have met two point two five. I really kind of not not there. That's like rock star stuff. Yeah, I put him at a three and a half. And and you're right, Corgan's not much to look at. Ehow was pretty cool. Darcy was kind of cool to watch play live. Yeah, yeah, you know. It's it's kind of like it, they they don't really deserve that rating, but you know because they are who they are. But they know. also had that sort of angst thing going for them, where it didn't really matter what when they looked put, like. They were more in kind of the vein of Radiohead when when you put them up against like when you see Soundgarden, Pearl Jam, Alice in Chains, and Nirvana, you're like those guys are fucking cool. And you look at Radiohead and Smashing Pumpkins, like I mean, you can come along because you can play good music, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> a little, little different, little different group. You got a different vibe. All right. Well, that's another episode of The Idiots. Yeah, I'm glad you pushed for this. This was a good one. Yeah. I like this one. I I had fun with this, too. Please, give us more ratings. Uh, That helps our popularity boost in terms of whatever jet streams pick it up. So, thank you, and we do read them, and we will take your requests if it fits what what our knowledge base looks like. So, thanks for listening to us. Until next time, guys. Take care.